first, we I have about an hour and a half of material here that I have to get through. <laughs> Hallelujah. Why are y'all laughing? That wasn't funny. I'm serious. Praise the Lord. I am about to throw the uh, multimedia team a curveball up there. Uh, first, I'm going to start with 1 Timothy 6, verses 1 and 2, before I get into the verses I gave you. And before we start, just uh, bow your heads with me and in a brief word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the, the honor and the privilege, Father, of sharing your word with your precious people, Lord. Father God, I know that your word is quick and it's powerful and it's living. Your word, Father God, does not return unto you void. So, Father, as the word is preached, Father, I just pray every heart soft, soft, every heart prepared to receive your word of truth, Father God, in a manner that will bear fruit in their lives. And, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'll see if I can condense this hour and a half down to 30, 40 minutes or so. How about that? Starting in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 6, first two verses. And if I were to choose a title, I struggled with this a little bit, and this is what I settled on. Serve God well wherever he's assigned you. Serve God well wherever he's assigned you, wherever you find yourself. And it reads, let all who are under a yoke as bond servants regard their own masters as worthy of all honor so that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. Those who have believing masters must not be disrespectful on the ground that they are brothers. Rather, they must serve all the better since those who benefit by their good service are believers and beloved. Teach and urge these things. I'm going to be going through two or three, uh, several passages this morning. covering that, uh, the issue of bond servant, the issue of slavery, the, and, and, and other issues that really hit home for us in our everyday lives, and challenging us to what the Word of God says as to how we ought to conduct ourselves and the proper perspective we ought to have in those situations. Are you hearing me? Is that okay? I hope it is, because it's, it's going to happen anyway. You know, just to give a little backdrop, Paul was an apostle during a time when Israel was under the rule of the Roman Empire. Now, the Roman Empire was a pagan culture in which many mythological deities were worshipped. There was no regard in the Roman culture for the one true God. Just giving you some backdrop here. Another important truth concerning Roman culture is that the institution of slavery was deeply embedded within it. At the time of Paul's apostleship, the number of slaves in the Roman Empire is estimated to have been as high as 60 million, which was roughly half the population of the empire. Now, with the gospel being preached and Roman citizens becoming followers of Christ, there was bound to be some clash, wouldn't you think? 
Truth was about to clash, was bound to clash with culture. Are you hearing me? And as these new Christians received biblical instructions about how they should conduct themselves as followers of Christ, it was inevitable that tough questions would be asked. You're telling me I need to honor and I need to be respectful toward my master. Now you can imagine someone in the lowliest state of slave of slavery in a country, they hear this hope and life of the gospel and, and this, this whole concept of freedom sounds awesome. And part of the appeal to it, probably in your mind, you're interpreting freedom. Okay, spiritual freedom, that sounds nice, but it sounds like uh, I can get some physical freedom out of my situation as well. Right? I don't like my master anyway. He's harsh. He's cruel. Every day, all I do is everything at his beck and call. And yet, can you imagine how these people sitting in the audience, sitting at the preaching of the word of God, how they're feeling when they're saying, hey, if you're under a yoke, they, they hear the preaching and they're at the, you know, they're, they're kneeling, they're sitting, they're doing whatever they're doing and they're just, on every word of the man of God that he's preaching. And then he gets on and he starts talking about the yoke and the bond servant. You know, you're anticipating. Here we go. All right. Good news is coming. Good news. I'm ready to receive. I'm ready to be free of my situation. And he says, regard your masters as worthy of all honor. But he doesn't just stop there. He gives the reason why. So that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. So what is he saying here? He's acknowledging a reality. That the institution of slavery in Roman Empire wasn't going anywhere anytime soon. Abolition of it was not on the table. Right? So now, if it's not going to change, now we got to deal with the tough reality. How am I to conduct myself in light of a situation that is not a good situation? Not a situation I want to be in, but it's a situation that I'm going to remain in probably for the rest of my life. Are you hearing this? And so he's teaching. He's a, he, he's not dodging this touchy, difficult issue, he's addressing it from a biblical kingdom perspective. Well, if I'm, if it's not going to change and it's going to be my reality for the reality for the foreseeable future, now then my perspective and my focus has to change from focusing on me getting beyond this and this being over with for me to how do I conduct myself in this situation to the glory of God? How do I conduct myself in this situation in a way that will that will speak well, that, that, that will exalt the name of the Lord? I'm this new believer I'm a new creation. Everything has begun anew in me. I'm changed. I'm different. I'm a citizen of a of the kingdom of God. And yet, my earthly reality has not changed. Now imagine this. I'm in Roman time. I'm a slave. I hear this gospel. I respond. I'm a believer. I'm a follower of Christ. I'm excited when I hear the message at first, but then I have trouble with this message of honoring my master. 
So much so that I just can't bring myself to do it. All I'm thinking of, if God is real, he'll change my circumstance. If he is real, he will set me free. And all I'm thinking about every day when I go to work as a slave, I don't want to be here. I don't want to do what I'm doing. I'm wasting my life away. I want to be doing something awesome. I've always, I I want to do, I've dreamed of doing X, Y, or Z. What do you think that's going to do to my attitude when I'm working every day? How do you think that's going to affect the morale of my fellow slaves? How do, you, how do you think that's going to affect how the master sees me? Because you know the master's going to see my conduct. He's going to see my attitude. He's going to see how I behave. And he's going to... You know, and and he's going to realize the negative energy and the negative impact I'm having and bringing to work every day. Are you hearing me? My, you know what? I, I am a Christian. I'm a believer. I'm a servant of the Lord. I'm an ambassador for Christ. However, none of that comes through because all they can see is Attitude. And the attitude affects the productivity. Right? It affects the work ethic. It affects those around me. And it affects the bottom line of the person I work for. Right? Paul is addressing these situations, the situation with people who were probably born slaves, people who were going to die slaves, and he's telling them, you're going to have to adopt a kingdom perspective in the middle of that. You're going to remain in that situation. Your objective should be, how do I honor God in it? So I want to challenge us. That issue of slavery is not unlike the issue of today, our jobs. Right? The job you do, do you like it? Wow, a lot of people hate their jobs. (laughs) Hey, you're retired. (laughs) He's like, like, he loves his job. (laughs) The job that you do, Did you envision yourself doing it? Did you have to settle for it rather than what's really on your heart to do? I guess most people, that's where we're at, aren't we? My first job had absolutely zero to do with what I got my degree in. My second job, Zero to do with what I got my degree in. My current job, well, I had a lot of jobs. So my current job, okay. I, I, was, I, went, in, I went into uh, human environmental sciences. Youth and adult counseling. You know what? That can help in my current job. But I ask those questions to get you thinking. What are you doing now? Is it something you're passionate about? Is it something you dreamed about doing? Or is it something that you have to settle for? It was the opportunity that was available to you. 
that you had to grab, hopefully until what you really wanted to do came along. Well, I want to challenge you, if that's you this morning, consider that God's assignment for you in this season of your life. And people used to always wonder why I was always upbeat at work, why I was always happy at work. You know, and I'll use my most recent job before here, Kicker. You know, uh, Mr. Steve Irby, sitting right over there by Pastor Dale. I tell you what, everybody that I've ever worked around, one thing they could not say to me is that I did not like my job, that I did not like coming to work every day, that I was a drag or, 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 or somebody that was difficult to deal with, that you didn't want to be around I was at work every day. I was excited to be there every day. And I was grateful to have that job. There were difficulties. There were challenges. When I first got to work at Kicker, the first four years, I was an event coordinator. I spent half the year away from my family. But I did that without complaint. You know why? Because that job was provision from the Lord. That job was the job gave was the job God gave me that enabled me to provide for my family. And I got that job through divine providence of the Lord. And I, I won't uh belabor it too much, but I worked at a company called Creative Labs for 14 years. Thank the Lord God brought that job when he did, because I was working at a company called TCI before that. And it was a job. You know what? I can't say that I, I obeyed this in that job. I, you know, well, I've matured since then. But the job just, it was, it was, it was against my nature. You know, we would sell, we we would just call people on the list, blind call people and try to sell them stuff. You know, AAA auto or credit cards and so forth. And you were obligated if they said, no, thank you. You know, you were obligated to try and insist, to try and overcome the objections and, and encourage them to buy it anyway. And you had to do two objections. And that's just not me. If they say I don't want it, okay, thank you. No problem. Because <laughs> I know how I feel when I'm on the other line, when I'm on the other side of the line. And I endured that job for about five, six months before Creative Labs came along and just worked my way up over 14 years from a customer service rep up to uh, uh, managing a tech support department. But it had run its course. And eventually I lost my job. And like I said, my degree was in youth and adult counseling. I spent 14 years at a place that mostly computer science, um, engineer majors, and so forth, people who got accreditations and, and certifications to do that job. And I didn't need those things because I got my foot in the door on the customer service level and worked my way up. Well, guess what happened when I lost my job after 14 years? I couldn't get my foot in the door. I thought, okay, I've been doing this for 14 years. I got experience. I'm going to look for something that I know that I've been doing for these past 14 years. And every time they'd ask, what accreditation do you have? What certification do you have? What are your credentials? Um, experience? Couldn't get an interview. For six months, I knew what it felt like to be unemployed. My wife and I, after I lost my job, the first two weeks, we fasted and prayed. And she heard it right off the bat. She said, I just keep feeling, I keep feeling God is saying kicker. And I 
You know, and I heard it, and I was like, kicker, kicker, what do they do? And I looked at it, and I was like, nah, you missed it. There's no way. I, I don't have anything to offer them. That, 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 that This does not match. And so I just kind of dismissed it. And she said later on, you know, I'm, 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 I'm hearing kicker. And so I humored her. I, I, I uh, looked online, saw a job that was, I knew I wasn't qualified for, but it was the only thing that I could find that was available at the time. I applied for it. Nothing. See, told you, you didn't, you weren't hearing God on that. And then one day, Steve asked me how it was going, because we were on the worship team together. And I told him, I got, there's a lot of at-bats. I'm, I'm swinging at the plate. I'm just, I'm not hitting the ball, I'm striking out. I keep doing resumes everywhere, nothing. And he didn't make any promises to me. He said, just give me your resume, and I will uh, float it around. Maybe um, one of the VPs or directors look at it and and uh, see it, and it may um, it, it may be a highlight to them as something that they are looking for. And to make a long story, not as long as it can be, um, one ended up reaching out to me. He saw my resume, loved it. And I had an interview, and I had a second interview. I was desperate at the time. I was, I was desperate. Feeling worthless, like I, I should be able to provide. I wasn't. And uh, it took forever. From that first interview, and they expressed interest in me. And the second interview, and they expressed strong interest in me. I didn't get an offer for them until three months had passed. And the last time I, and I called, you know, you don't want to, you're desperate, but you don't want to bug them, you know. And so I called and talked with the director. His name is Kevin Campbell and get a status update. And uh, he said, yeah, we're still interested in you and so forth. And he said words I really did not want to hear. And it didn't encourage me at all. He said, hey, hey, but if you get an opportunity that comes along, you know, I, I would encourage you to take advantage of it. <laughs> you know, if you get an opportunity, don't turn it down waiting for us. How are you supposed to interpret that? And it was funny. I, I thought I had put the whole situation behind me. I thought I had moved on internally. And I still didn't have a job. We went to Tennessee, to Christie's parents' home. And... uh there was an intimate moment between me and her dad. I guess he saw the struggle that I was having. And he said some words to me that really affirmed me. And I just broke. I just broke. And that was a cathartic moment for me that allowed me to, to heal. And it made me realize that I was, how wounded I was um, about losing my job. And um, how low my self-image was about not having a job to support my family. And so those affirming words were life to me. And as we were on our way home, I got the call from Kevin telling me that I was hired. And, you know, God's timing is perfect, you know, and I found out that the reason it took so long was that the job that they were going to hire me for had not even been posted yet because it had not been created yet. It was an idea. It was a, in proposal. that He was proposing to add an event coordinator that would go out and promote the brand. And so I was just praising God because you know what happened during that time of my turmoil? Christy heard it at the very beginning. I didn't. She did. But during that time of my turmoil, I'm sweating this whole situation. I'm wanting it to be over. I'm wanting out of this situation and so forth and so on. God was taking care of it the entire time. He reserved a, a job position for me. 
It was mine before it even existed. It was mine before it was even approved. It was mine before I even knew I needed it. Amen? I'm sweating it out, but God isn't. All right? And so, I'm in that situation. God gives me this job, and I'm telling you, man, my first day on the job, I am, I am dressed to the nines. I'm in shirt and tie. I, I didn't know anything about the culture at, New, at, at, at Kicker. It's very casual. Uh, <laughs> it's very casual. You can wear jeans and a t-shirt. You can wear shorts. You know, it's just, it's casual. It's comfortable. And I'm in there, man, and I'm showing up. I've got on uncomfortable shoes, and I'm there in the, some slacks at the, or dockers, and I'm there in the shirt and the tie, and they're making fun of me. You know, because I got my best foot forward. I am so grateful. You know, because it, it's not just a job. You know, th- this was God's provision for me. I cried out to the Lord and he answered. Amen. I went, I went six months not being able to earn a living to take care of my family, taking unemployment and doing whatever and Christy having to do extra stuff to try and make ends meet and so forth. I went through all of that and God provided this. You know, man, there was nothing that could go on at work that was going to make me look down upon that job. Are you hearing me? Uh, my boss wasn't perfect. He's a cool dude. It wasn't perfect. There's not a flaw he could have that was going to make me see that job for something other than what it was, God's provision for my need. And I began to see Kicker as an assignment. Say, you know what, Lord, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. But while I'm here, I'm going to represent you. You gave me this job. You put me here. I am your servant. I represent you. Whether Whether I'm traveling to Ocean City, Maryland, whether I'm traveling to New York or New Jersey or, 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 or Vegas or California, whatever. There may be some coworkers acting up and partying it up and doing stupid stuff, but that will not be me. I represent this company. The owner of this company is a man of God. You are my God, and I will be an example and a witness and a light in this assignment that you have given me. And you know what? I, I feel like I was that for the most part. I'm not, you know, again, I'm a flawed individual, and there are some moments I would like to have back, but for the most part, I would like to believe that I served God well where he assigned me at Kicker. Amen? I want you to go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And I want to encourage you, wherever you're at, it may not be the job you want. You may be at the university, you may be at Oklahoma State University, and you had to settle for that because your real heart and your real desire was to be somewhere else. I won't insult you and and say you probably wanted to be at some place like OU or Alabama or something like that, but sorry, Sheila. No, maybe you wanted to go to OU. Maybe you wanted to go to UCLA. Maybe you wanted to go to MIT. But you're at Oklahoma State. I would encourage you to consider that your assignment in the Lord. It's not something you had to settle for. It's the place that God wants you in this time and season of your life. And he wants you there for his purpose and his plan. Make the most of it. There's an opportunity there for you to be a light 
to someone, for you to make a difference in someone's life. Amen? For you to be a witness for the kingdom. First Corinthians 7, I'll start at the 17th verse, and it says, Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Well, let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Were you a bondservant when called? Do not be concerned about it. To me, it just blew my mind. You know, it's like, well, easy for you to say, free man. But he said, if you're a bondservant, don't worry about it. Trust God in it. God can use you in a mighty way. Consider the Old Testament. I refer, I reference him all the time. Remember Joseph's brothers, what they did to him? Put him in the pit, sold him into slavery. In every situation he went into, it was obvious that he honored God in it. Even when it seemed to be going from bad to worse, right? His brothers are contemplating murdering him. One brother talks some sense into him. God brings a caravan by. Way of escape. I don't know what's worse. Brothers murdering you or selling you to a doggone slave trader. But And keep in mind, all of this was after God gave him the dream. That he was, go, you know, he was going to be exalted and 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 have his, even his brothers and father were going to bow to him. And he gets sold as a slave to Potiphar. What does this say? He was so faithful, had so much favor in God, even in that slavery situation, that Potiphar's entire house, all of his affairs were blessed and benefited by Joseph's presence. So much so that he gave Joseph authority over all things in his house. His wife lied on him, said he tried to rape her. But Joseph's witness was so sincere. It was so strong. It was so true that when Joseph swore by God that he did not do what he was being accused of doing, Potiphar immediately knew that he was telling the truth because he wouldn't swear by his God if he wasn't. What kind of witness is that before your slave master? Think about that. It was his wife's word against the word of a slave. And the slave master knew because he knew how faithful he was before his God. That since he swore by his God, my wife lying but I have to preserve the honor of my wife. If I believe my wife, he'd be dead. But I believe him, but I can't embarrass her, so I'll sentence him to prison. Joseph was doing right before God, honoring him. And yet, he's just from bad to worse. And he's in the prison. He ends up being a blessing even in the prison environment. And, you know, y'all, y'all know the story, and it, I know I can get a bit long-winded at times, but, but it, it just it is so relevant to what we're talking about today. He could have been hard-hearted. He could have been bitter. He could have been so focused on the dream that he, that he would not have been able to hear God and to walk with God in the situation that he was in, in a way that would glorify God and be a witness, a kingdom witness to the people in his realm of influence. 
And we can have our heads in the cloud and we can be so focused on the future, so focused on the dream, so focused on our desires that we're not able to be effective witnesses for God in the place that he has planted and assigned us in the here and now. I love how that ended. Joseph ended up being exalted to the second in command only to Pharaoh. And God ended up elevating him at the right moment, at the right time, imparting wisdom through him that saved millions from death, from a drought. And that tells me everything he went through, every place he was at, as a slave in Potiphar's house, as a uh, unjustly, as a prisoner, unjustly, was all, each place was an assignment. He recognized it as such, and he conducted himself. with honor toward the Lord and the Lord's favor was on him and blessed him and at the right time he was positioned to be exalted in the second in command and, and, and millions owed their lives to him. Who knows who will owe their life to you? Not literally they'll, they'll owe their lives to Christ but <laughs> but, but, but who you don't know whose life will forever be changed by you. Wherever, wherever you're at. Acknowledge God in it. I'm here by your will and by your grace, oh God. So I will incline my ear to you. I will surrender my heart to you in this place. And I will be obedient to your word. I will love you with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. I will love my neighbor as myself. I will honor and respect my boss. I will respect my coworkers. I will be a, a, a living witness for Christ Jesus in this place. I, 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 I will work with excellence. I will put forth maximum effort. I will be a blessing to my boss. Are you hearing me? And I'm going to do it out of obedience to you and for your glory so that when the time when you're knocking on the door of their hearts all right and you're willing you're ready to to restore your mercy and your grace upon them they will remember my witness they will remember my example before them father god and their hearts won't be hard toward you out of response of my nasty attitude and the way I behaved in their presence every day. But their hearts will be soft towards you and they'll respond to your grace and your mercy being extended toward them. Were you a bond servant when called? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. So he's not necessarily endorsing slavery, but he's also acknowledging a reality. If there's an opportunity for you to be free from it, take advantage of it. But if that opportunity does not arise, you're a child of the king. Behave like it. Conduct yourself in a way that honors him. For he who has called, he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freed man of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called is a bondservant of Christ. He's basically saying there's no different. Whether you're a free man or you're a bondservant, you're the same in Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men. So, brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. Just stay in God where you're at. And 
I'm not going to expound much on it, but I want us to read it. I want you to go to Colossians chapter 3, and we'll finish up there. Starting at the 18th verse, because it, it covers more than just bond servants. Then I'll get to the close of it all. Colossians 3, verse 8, starting at verse 18, it says, Wives, submit to your husbands. And I'm reading in the New Living Translation. As is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Children, always obey your parents. You hear that, Canon girls? Children, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not aggravate your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are really, emphasis mine, really serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done for God has no favors. Yet he doesn't show favoritism. He's not, no impartiality. I could have just focused on the bond servant, slave part, but I included where it started with wives, husbands, children, and slaves. All of this. Wives, submit to your husbands. You know what? You're not really submitting to your husbands. You're submitting to Christ. Husbands, Love your wives. Don't be harsh with them. You know, you're really not just loving your wife. You're loving Christ. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time. You know what? You're not just really obeying and trying to please your, your boss or your master. You are obeying and pleasing the master, Christ. When you have excellent work ethic, you're not just doing it for work ethic's sake. Easy for me to say. You're not just doing it for work ethic's sake. You're not just doing it for a good boss that you like, but you should be doing it as a servant of Christ. I'm doing it as unto the Lord. Because it's not just about me. It's not just about the task or the job that I'm assigned to. It's not even just about the person that I work for or work with. It's not just about them. It's, it, it's, it's about the one whom I serve. It's about the one whose name I'm called after. It's about the redeemer and savior of my soul. Amen? And so in it all, I have to keep perspective my job is not separate from my Christian witness. Where I go to school is not separate from my Christian witness. My job and my uh, expectation is to serve God wherever he has me. If I'm a child, you know what? Maybe, maybe I wanted the Underwoods as my parents. Sorry, you got the cannons. <laughs> you got the cannons. So you got the parents that you got. And we can be adversarial. We can be disrespectful. We can justify, uh, we can justify ungodly attitudes and being rebellious and disobedient and so forth. But you know what? You're not just being rebellious and disobedient towards your parents. You're being rebellious and disobedient towards God. As a father, I could say, what? 
Wait, wait a minute. What'd you say, Paul? You know, am I really supposed to not aggravate my disrespectful kids? I think we got this thing backwards. I tell you what, when they shape up, I worry about not aggravating. What, I'm, I'm supposed to love my disrespectful wife? Are you kidding me? When she starts showing me some respect, then I'll think about some love. Or, what, God? I'm supposed to honor and respect this harsh, unloving dude? I tell you what, when he starts loving me right, I'll consider respect. Lord, are you really saying that I'm supposed to be content where I am as a slave? Am I re- are you really saying that I should be grateful with such a lowly station in life? Maybe I'm a... There's always some dirty job that's worse than the one you got. Think about what you got and 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 then think about the people who work at a landfill. Who you think's got a little bit worse? Coal miners. I'm sure there's a lot of them. But somebody's probably got it worse than we've got it. And so we've got to have proper perspective and not start thinking about, you know what? Man, I really got it bad. Man, those people got the nice house. Man, he's got that job. Looks like that job pays really well. And here I am. Having to try and make ends meet on $20 an hour. Oh, $20 an hour ain't bad, is it? But it can be bad. It can feel bad. If we're looking at our $20 an hour and comparing it to someone making $50 an hour. And so instead of us being thankful for what God has provided, we're ungrateful and disrespectful towards God because he hadn't given us more. And so, so we need to be, you know, Scripture says that godliness with contentment is great gain. So I know I'm, I'm, I'm hitting pretty close to home with some of this stuff. But that's the word of God, right? I've been trying to tell Johnny he needs to love Heather right for years. And I'm hoping, this, I'm hoping this is the day, the day that he gets it. Praise the Lord. I'm going to, I'm just going to ask you guys to stand and, and we're going to get ready to transition Han's going to go get Tiffany and I'm going to ask Pastor Dale to to come up and share And but I just want to I just want to provoke you to to reflect and to really think on Not just the fact of whether you faithfully go to work or attend class or, you know, or, you know, fulfill your duties as a husband or wife or as, as a child towards your parents and as a parent towards your children. But I want you to examine the heart with which you do it. Your mindset in it. Don't just take satisfaction and, 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 and don't give yourself extra credits for the fact that you're doing the stuff that needs to be done. I'm providing, I'm doing this or whatever, but I want you to have a heart of gratitude. Recognize that where you're at is God's provision and where you're at is an assignment from God to you that he wants to use you in some powerful way, in some 
influential way to affect the lives of others, to bring the kingdom to a place that that maybe no one else can. To introduce new perspective that might help you see your job, your class, your school, your home as your mission field. So, Father, we just thank you for challenging us in this way. Thank you for speaking to our hearts and and softening our hearts, Father God, to receive the truth, even if those truths are hard truths, to receive it. And Father, I just thank you that you are convicting us to not only give mental assent to what was said, but to determine in our hearts and resolve within us that we will be doers of this word. And Father, we just ask for your grace upon us, Father God, your divine enablement for us to walk in these things because we want to glorify you in every area of our lives. We want to glorify you, not just in the four walls of this church, not just for a couple of hours on Sunday morning, but we want to glorify you, Father God, 24-7. And we want to take the kingdom wherever. We want the kingdom to forcefully advance through us, wherever you've assigned us. So we surrender and say, have your way. And we just say, yes, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.